Hi there, Medical Education Podcast listeners. This is Kevin Eva, the editor-in-chief of the journal. Today, I'm going to be highlighting the research approaches section of the journal because I have the opportunity to speak with Sneha Shankar, who I've just discovered before hitting record, shares a lot in common with me in terms of at least geography, in that I was born in Montreal, where she's sitting now. Sneha is working at the Center for Medical Education at McGill University, but she did her training, PhD in measurement, as well as a preceding degree at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, which is where I'm sitting now. Sneha, I'm sorry that we haven't spent overlapping time in the same part of the country, but it seems like we probably have a lot of similar haunts. Yeah, yeah. I've spent 12 years in Vancouver and now a permanent resident in Montreal. <laughs> So you know what I'm going to say, but others won't yet. We're going to talk about a paper that you have coming out in the February 2023 issue of Medical Education entitled Action Project Method, an approach to describing and studying goal-oriented joint actions. Mm -hmm. And it's really that last part that I want to use to set the context, goal-oriented joint actions. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you mean by that term and why you thought it was an important enough focus to be contemplating relatively rare research methodologies? Well, goal-oriented joint action is really forms the basis for this method action project method and is also incredibly relevant to our work as clinicians because most of what we do, clinicians and educators and learners, it revolves around a goal-oriented joint action whether we're looking at an educator and a learner, a patient and a a clinician, we're often looking at or considering two people or teams in these goal-oriented actions. And that's really the focus of action project method. It's really, when we talk of goals, we're really thinking about what are the meaning of these action processes and goals of action, you know, it's one of the first ways people really understand and explain their own and others' behavior. You know, what was our goal? What was our purpose in various behaviors? And action are, are sort of the processes that we take towards a specific objective. So we're constantly moving towards goals or acting towards goals. So having a method that really allows us to look at that specifically can be very useful in our settings. Well, and especially when you start thinking about, as you said, our shared goals between students and teachers or our shared goals between patients and clinicians, um, there's a lot of complexity in those interactions, each individual having their own model of what they're trying to accomplish. And obviously there being sort of social contextual factors that get wrapped around that as well. How have people tried to explore those issues previously? Or what is it that you are suggesting action project method might be a way of building upon? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about complexity, because when we think of education and medical education, for instance, and specifically, there's a lot of complexity involved in the phenomenon we're looking at and how we're capturing that phenomenon. Now, I can't speak to all the methods that exist out there, but I do talk in the paper about a couple other action-oriented methods. And one of the key differences with the action project method is really taking a look at action itself and the process of action occurring. So not looking at it retrospectively, but looking at it in process as it's occurring. And that's a key piece of what we do as healthcare practitioners. And really, we're working in really complex settings as well. 
whether it's just an individual office or a community setting or other, and these are all variable. So we can't often predict what occurs in those settings, but how do you capture this complexity? And are there methods that can take a little look a little deeper into these complex processes and allow us to get into the complexity of the process? And that strikes me as a pretty substantial leap from the measurement background that you have as your focus of your PhD studies. How did you gather interest or hear about or take steps to delve so deeply into this action project method? Oh, well, I can't separate myself from the clinician. So it really came from my work as a clinician, as an occupational therapist. But the questions I had coming into my PhD also were influenced by my own patient experiences. And I realized that I'm doing a lot of assessments and yet I'm also seeing a variable assessment responses. Assessments really change how you interact with the patient, what you say, how you say it, what is allowed to be said as well. And I really saw that also the goals mattered. I mean, you know, as a clinician, we could be coming in with the goal of completing the assessment, but are both the clinician and patient oriented towards completing the assessment or is it just one of them? So of course, that interest in assessments that really drew from the measurement interest that I have and wanting to understand how our assessments developed, what goes into this process and how do we examine, you know, how do two people actually interact with each other in an assessment? And I was curious really clinically, is there a way that allows for both voices to be considered equally? And is there a way also for us to consider the context and yeah, no, that's a large, <laughs> a large objective on my part. And I, I, I had many moments thinking, you know, maybe this isn't possible at all. But it led to an exploratory study using action project method, which allowed me to look at these clinical questions between two people and what's happening when a clinician might be interacting with a patient or an educator and a learner working towards a task, but also bringing into account the measurement aspect of it. So you know, an assessment, we like to call it response process validity evidence or how two people interact with an assessment. So there, there's sort of, you know, a large clinical piece that came in, but I can't ignore the assessment piece that also is inherently part of it. So with the caveat that the details are always going to be a bit study and researcher and context dependent, can you sort of give us a caricature version of what does it look like to do an action project method study? What would a typical process entail? Well, action project method is quite a thorough method. It's a qualitative method, and it's really based on a social constructionist epistemology. So what we know depends on the social context. To start, really having a research question where you can conceptualize the phenomenon as involving a goal-directed action is the first piece. So what is the phenomenon you're looking at and how can we frame it in a way that's a goal-directed action? Then from that point, you basically have two people, let's say a dyad of a patient and a clinician. They're engaged in the task, let's say an assessment. This action is self-directed. And it's a joint action that's video recorded. Immediately after that, researchers sit together with each participant and they go through what's called a video recall or a self-confrontation procedure where each participant views the video of their joint action that they just completed and every 30 seconds to a minute describe what's happening, their internal processes. So what are they thinking? 
What are they feeling? And after that, the researchers write up a narrative, both separately for each participant and also describing their joint processes, if whatever shows up in that process. And each of these narrative descriptions are verified by each participant. And that's the bulk of the data collection with action project method, with the analysis getting into more details with the coding process, the layered pieces, comparing individual participants, and then comparing the dyad or the team and cases across each other, looking for similarities and differences. And you'll find in the paper, we describe that in quite a bit of detail. There's a figure in there, I think it's figure three, which really talks about how this analysis happened. And we're really trying to understand the how and the whys of action, really understand the goals of the action and also the context behind it. So I would say in a nutshell, that's how you go about operationalizing action project method. Right. So for, for so the action itself, you don't tend to do a lot of analysis on the videos. You use them for stimuli and then focus the analysis on their reports of what was going on during that action. Is that fair? Yeah, we look at the transcripts as well as the video recordings to analyze the data and to code the data and understand what's happening at different levels. So more typically, though, are the two actors together during the interview or do you interview them separately? They're together and they're also separate. So there's a self-directed joint action that occurs. So say two participants were looking at some phenomenon between two people, could be a teaching and learning task, for instance. The researchers would brief both of them on them completing whatever task that they're doing. And then the researcher leaves the room, but leaves the camera on, allows the two of them to engage in that self-directed joint action as they would. So they're given no direction on how to engage in that task, but just how the educator might do so and how the learner might receive it. And then that video is then looked at separately with the educator by themselves and the learner by themselves. So it's the researcher and the educator sitting together, for instance, watching this video and the researcher prompting and asking the educator, okay, well, what were you thinking in this minute? What were you feeling? And perhaps, you know, they might say, hmm, I'm kind of getting the sense that the learner is not picking up on this skill that I'm teaching. That's why I need to repeat it. You'll see that coming up, that sort of thing. Well, I wanted to make sure that I understood that because in some of these partnerships, there's a power differential between participants. Mm -hmm. So how do you try to manage that, ensuring that you're getting genuine and authentic representations of what each individual might believe relative to what they'll share with one another? Well, one of the key aspects of action project method is action is not joint if it's not together. So you need to really look at, are they actively working together towards that same goal? So one opinion is not privileged over another, and both opinions are needed to determine if the action is joint, because you can have individual goals, but you can also have joint goals. So, you know, for instance, right now, we both have a joint goal of talking about the paper, but individually, we might have separate goals. Perhaps I have an appointment that I need to run to and I'm worried about the time, for instance. That could be my individual goal. Similarly, whatever phenomenon we might be looking at, individuals are going to have their own individual goals, but also have a joint goal. So what we were able to do with Action Project Method is really determine what goals are joint 
And we do that in a way that really allows for these equal voices. So we really look at asking each participant, you know, what are their internal processes? Like, what are they thinking and feeling here? You know, and if they identify that they're not learning or they're not really teaching in the way that, you know, one might presume, then you take a step back and you're able to consider maybe this isn't a joint goal. And what does that mean? That's great and very helpful to clarify. And I don't know if you actually have an appointment to get to, but in the interest, <laughs> no, of, I don't. Okay. In the interest of wrapping up, though, I wonder if I can just ask you to close by sharing some of the things that you're anticipating or working on applying action project method to, just to give listeners a more concrete sense of the types of questions that might be addressed through this methodology. Well, I can tell you certainly the work from the PhD, even though it's been several years now, we are looking to move that towards a publication as well, applying this more in an assessment setting. I can't specifically disclose the details of that, but looking at bigger assessments and understanding how are users interpreting assessments and what does it mean? Is it as we intended? What else needs to be considered here? And so certainly applying it in more assessment settings or ways that I'm considering as well, importantly, is really capturing that equity piece of equal voices and really understanding differences between groups. And as you mentioned earlier, with power differences is one. So really being able to get dig a little deeper into assessment processes with those in mind. That's great. I do appreciate that you aren't free to disclose any of the details, but that does give a really nice sense, I think, of the variability of topics to which this might be applied. So thank you for all the work that you've done in sharing the method with our readers and our listeners, and we'll direct anybody who wants more details to the paper. Again, it's titled Action Project Method. An Approach to Describing and Studying Goal-Oriented Joint Actions. Sneha Shankar is the voice you've been listening to, and the work is published in the February 2023 issue of Medical Education. Thank you, Kevin. It's been fun. 